if we could all just be like, no, it's it's okay that you have to take medication to mm -hmm. keep you sane. It's okay that you have to go to a therapist to keep you grounded. That's mm -hmm. fine. You know, for some people, yeah, that walk in the woods will be great. For other people, we have chemical imbalances and we need to deal with it and keep ourselves mm -hmm. healthy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Welcome to the Healing Ground Movement, a podcast dedicated to revolutionizing how we think about our bodies and our health. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, DC, and I have lived my life in pursuit of holistic healing and care that goes beyond symptom management. If you've been listening and like what you're hearing, head over to your favorite platform and leave us a review so we can reach more people with our important message. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Healing Ground Movement Podcast. I'm Dr. Carly Hudson, and I am still recording in the midst of my asthma attack, so um, please bear with my, my lower voice and, and slower pace. But with me today, I'm very excited to have Elizabeth Williamsburg. Um, she brings a really interesting perspective to our conversations as she is a portrait photographer specializing in high school senior and women's portraiture. Now, as a woman with an eating disorder that was developed when she was a preteen, um, her services are female-focused and body-positive, which is a really big conversation we've been having these days, and I'm so excited to feature it here on the show. Um, she wants to create experiences that help everyone, from preteens to mature women, to um, enjoy how they look as they are now, no Photoshop required, yes. which is a very revolutionary idea. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Wonderful. So our getting to know you question has okay. been for quite some time now. Mm -hmm. um, when do you first remember movement being fun? Oh my gosh, I was such an active kid. Yeah. I don't know if, I, if movement was ever not fun for me. I mean, great. <laughs> until like, you know, middle school and gym mm -hmm. class. And then, you know, I think gym class ruins it for everybody. <laughs> I think that's an interesting um, lens to shift on it because I do always ask when was movement fun, but now you're the second person who said it was fun until it wasn't. Yes. So so maybe we'll we'll shift it for you. What made that not, what, what made gym class kill that for you? Um, I'm, I'm going to straight up call out the presidential fitness test. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it was one of those things where I always just had fun in gym class. It was mm -hmm. no big deal. Like, I was that kid that even, like, dodgeball. Mm -hmm. You know, it did not bother me whatsoever. I was very rough and tumble as a kid. And then that mile run, I could never do it fast enough. There mm -hmm. was one year that I managed to do it just under 10 minutes, and that was two of my friends had to carry me across the finish line. Oh my gosh. So um, yeah, that just ruined it for me because we'd spend that whole marking period gearing up for it and mm -hmm. running laps and oh. Yeah. No. And then I just dreaded it. Yeah, that mile run as, as someone now with announced breathing issues, <laughs> I never, never. I found out, I, I finally got to the point, I think we got to do it in 12 minutes or less. I don't know if the standards changed okay. if we have enough of an age difference there, mm -hmm. but I found I could walk it just fast enough. <laughs> But man, I couldn't, no, I couldn't breathe well enough to run that thing. But the rest of it was okay. Yeah, I so. mean, I was very flexible. So like all of the flexibility stuff was fine. Yeah. I couldn't do a pull-up, but neither could anybody else. So it was fine. Yeah. It was that mile though. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. But, but making movement be, have an obligatory measurement perhaps yes. versus running around and enjoying yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
It's a difference. Yeah, it's, it's a big difference. It was a total difference. In fact, I hated gym class until my senior year of high school when we didn't have to do the tests anymore. Mm-hmm. And we could just pick out whatever we wanted to do. So we like did soccer for a marking period. Mm-hmm. And we made our own aerobics video one marking period <laughs> just to do fun stuff. And then it was fun again. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that it came around full circle and it didn't just yes. kill it for you forever. Right. It just, it just had to be something that you own within your body. Exactly. Yeah. Which is an awesome segue. <laughs> Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, you mentioned the history with eating disorder, mm-hmm. um, about about that journey, and, and maybe how it led to or informed your portrait photography. Um, well, for my journey, mm-hmm. it was. I, had to, I mean, like, I always knew as a kid that I was like a little bit overweight. I came from that kind of family. Um, that mixed message Irish family mm-hmm. that's like, eat more, eat more. By the way, you're fat. <laughs> but eat more, eat more. We don't want you to get sick. But also, you could stand to lose like five pounds. <laughs> but why didn't you clear your plate? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you didn't eat everything. Jewish families are the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> why are you not eating this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So um, I was always kind of aware of it when I was, I think, eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. One of my aunts started doing Weight Watchers and started bringing me with her. So mm-hmm. I started the, and that was like the nine, like the early ninety, late eighties, mm-hmm. early nineties. So that was the count, counting all your calories and your what we now call macronutrients mm-hmm. and so on, obsessively and mostly eating their boxed meals at the time. Mm-hmm. It was so not a good, healthy relationship with food, mm-hmm. and. Despite not actually being, like, obese, I kind of felt like I was. Mm -hmm. And so that plus bullying turned me in, like, just uh, made it very much um, an issue where I tried to control my eating and I couldn't. Um, That's not how my mind was wired. So then I was, like, bulimic for about two to three years. Mm -hmm. And um, finally stopped that because I almost got caught Oh. And uh, that was like the big, oh, crap, I don't want to go in the hospital. Because that's yeah. like, n- my nightmare is a loss of bodily autonomy. So the idea of going into a hospital or a rehab type setting was terrifying enough mm-hmm. that it got me to stop abusing laxatives because that's where I was at. Because so, uh, I tried the vomiting thing and that didn't work out very well. So. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So. But, but beautiful that that... Um, body autonomy piece mm-hmm. was the part that brought you along. And, and it reminds me, we had, um, uh, on a previous episode, we had Ray Thomas on here talking about um, body dysmorphias and eating mm-hmm. uh, um, disorders. And I think that was uh, episode 21, if anyone wants to go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But she was talking a little bit about um, the thing that, and she said a little tongue-in-cheek, that the thing that makes you really good at having an eating disorder is mm-hmm. often also the thing that makes you really good at getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's that sense of body autonomy, it yes. sounds like to you, to control where your body mm-hmm. is at. And and that that really um, pushed you through to the other side, maybe. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a terrifying moment. A friend of mine looked into my backpack, because it was the 90s, so I had mm-hmm. little cute backpacks, yeah. and saw this empty box of laxatives and said, why do you have that? And I was like, oh, I've been sick. She's like, we had it yesterday. I'm like, I've been really sick. <laughs> and she, I, she said she was going to tell a teacher, and that mm-hmm. she, I was like, oh crap! If my parents find out, I'm going to the hospital. And I, I know I can't do that. I can't lose that control. I mean, mm-hmm. this is all about control. I can't completely forfeit the control. I've got to stop doing this. Fair enough. So, so what did you do, um, kind of on that journey out? How did you regain regain a different kind of control? I guess. Um, I, I mean, it wasn't a, I'm going to stop having an eating disorder. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, there's no light switch. Um, I basically went, 
I basically went back to, you know, controlling what I was eating, eating very little amounts, mm -hmm. but basically instead of eating a ton of food to feel better mm -hmm. and then purging it, I started just cutting back and cutting back and cutting back. And before I got to a place that would have been really unhealthy for me, mm -hmm. I was at the point of getting more social and the mental health issues that I was dealing with were changing, the situation was changing. And so it was this kind of confluence of things that just kind of stopped me where I was. Also, I was at that, that point like 17 and I started drinking. So yeah, I just switched to something else unhealthy. <laughs> we, all, we all have our ways of coping, <laughs> you know. Oh, so. but, but I love the, the awareness that you bring through about knowing that it's not just, you know, an on-off with eating disorders, mm -hmm. that there is, you mentioned the mental health piece of it mm -hmm. as well, and those pieces starting to turn around, that you, you treated this whole picture mm -hmm. of what you needed and where you were at. It's one of, I tell people, like, I have an eating disorder. I mm -hmm. didn't have, I didn't, it's not a past tense thing. It's a current thing. It's like an addiction in that you will mm -hmm. always have it. And I have to be very aware of emotional eating and mm -hmm. triggering. I mean, I, I'm an emotional eater. That's mm -hmm. the, the way my brain is wired because I have depression. And I have to be very conscious of not letting that go too far because my gut instinct is immediately to go, well, can I just get sick? Can mm -hmm. I just go reach for those laxatives? We don't keep laxatives in the house mm -hmm. because it's, it is really like an addiction. You don't keep that thing with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be in recovery from it forever. And I just have to be very mindful of that. And when I do have a moment where I get very emotional and I like binge eat the entire house, mm -hmm. the first thing I do is like call to the therapist. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of how I kind of keep it in check. Yeah. It, it, it really is something where the best thing I can describe, it's, it's a lot like alcoholism. You mm -hmm. have to have that support system that you can go, oh, my gosh, I'm out of control. I need help mm -hmm. so that you don't go into old patterns. Well, I think that, that you make a really good point that a lot of these things are, are addiction and mental health issues. Mm -hmm. and, and what the research is telling us is that, you know, the best thing for addiction and mental health um, issues are community. Yes. And resources and outreach and stepping away from holding that shame internally mm -hmm. and you know, really truly being brave enough to have that safe mm -hmm. place and say, I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, hear me. Yes. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the other things I'm a big advocate for is mental health and ending the mental health stigma. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best things that I ever did was when I was in college, finally go see a therapist. And I'm on uh, medication now and I see a therapist regularly. And that is the biggest help. And having other people that I talk to. I have so many friends that are like, oh, yeah, you take that. I took this, this and this. And we mm -hmm. talk about it and they don't ever talk about it with anybody else because there's this stigma about it and yeah. so I feel like that's if we could all just be like no it's it's okay that you have to take medication to mm -hmm. keep you sane it's okay that you have to go to a therapist to keep you grounded that's mm -hmm. fine you know for some people yeah that walk in the woods will be great for other people we have chemical imbalances and we need to deal with it and keep ourselves mm -hmm. healthy and there's nothing wrong with that yeah and there's a lot of interesting conversations again that's another episode that actually um just came out here um, the first week in March, talking about um, ideas around chemical imbalances and medication, mm -hmm. and and just seeing that we we all need tools to help us appreciate where our mood is at, mm -hmm. and and kind of like you pointed out before, is that you know when you were going through, you, you said tongue in cheek that mm -hmm. you move from eating disorder to alcoholism, yeah. that we 
we're all we're all looking for ways to cope. Right. And anything can be um, a mood altering substance, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's prescribed or not. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this genuine honesty of saying, you know, I've chosen to use something prescribed yes. to to help, <laughs> um, and and that we're all just looking to see ourselves better. So so then in that regard, as a photographer, you know, I, I love chatting with you before before you came on here is about, you know, we, the portraits for photography um, and women's portraiture mm -hmm. is a really great um, catch all. But you have a, a, a real message that you want to share with women through that. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about your niche within not just, you know, pretty senior portraits hanging against right. a tree? <laughs> yeah. Um, Which we all needed. Yes. We all, we've all done that yeah. one. Um, or the ones where you're peeking out from behind something. Mm -hmm. looks, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so um, I'm, my specific niche is in um, body confidence and teaching women to love their body as it is. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the big focuses is actually my hashtag, which is everybody is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And my work is in fine art, women's portraiture and senior and moving into tween portraiture as well, um, to show women beautiful fine art portraits with their bodies as they are every day, um, posed to make them look as beautiful as they are, mm -hmm. but no Photoshop. So they can look at that and say, that's a beautiful image and I am beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, they, she didn't need to do any extra work on me. I am great and beautiful just the way I am. And what do you think the impact is of having those kind of images? Um, I mean, I think, it can go a long way with the mental health piece. Mm -hmm. um, there was a woman who was my personal trainer and she was one of my first clients for women's portraiture. And she approached me one day and said that she wanted to know if I would do um, fine art nude photos for her. And I said, yeah, sure, that, that's fine. And as we talked and planned out her session, I got her whole backstory. And she was a 50 year old woman who looked about 30 <laughs> and she was gorgeous, you know, perfectly fit she's my personal trainer mm -hmm. and she felt fat she ah. had an eating disorder she had been a um for other reasons as a teenager and then moved into um competitive bodybuilding which mm -hmm. has certain image expectations of her and when she left that and became a fitness instructor there's other expectations of that as well like she did yoga and they expect you have this willowy leaf body mm -hmm. and so she it re-triggered the eating disorder and she was in recovery now she was doing personal training and trying to like keep her muscle mass up and keep herself eating and she was finding that she hated the way she looked mm. and so she wanted to have portraits that she could look at every day um so we did her session. Um, it started off as like a boudoir session and then it moved into like a fine art nude fitness session. Mm -hmm. And when I delivered her images to her, it was simultaneously the most awesome and worst sales session I've ever had in my life. How she, so? She brought her husband with her and her husband's like, we'll take everything. And she's like, I hate it all. And it wasn't the images, it was her body. Yeah. Uh, she, I, I can see a little fold of skin there. Oh, I see a wrinkle there. That was the whole reason she was in there, you mm -hmm. know, to do these portraits. So it's to not see them is to not is to learn to accept them mm -hmm. as beautiful. Like, yeah, you have some stretch marks. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're part of you. So um, it was a long sales session. We ended up. She did a folio box, which is like a box that's covered in fabric, and then there's these mounted and matted images inside them with like a little holder. And every mm -hmm. day she would put a different one up. 
to look Aww. at and it would be on her bureau. And if she didn't do it, her husband would put it up there for her. And if she was like, tried to put it away, he'd be like, no, that's you. And you're, my wife is beautiful. Don't insult my wife. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and wonderful, wonderful partnership. <laughs> and over time, she got to the point where she would be like, yeah, no, I like looking at the images now. She's like, I'm, I'm still not, I still don't like my body necessarily, but I can look at them and think the mm. images are beautiful now. And it's part of the journey for mm -hmm. her. And eventually she will look at herself and see herself as beautiful. But we got from a point where she couldn't look at them to, yeah, those are beautiful. That's wonderful. So that's, that was kind of one of the two times where my work really kind of showed me how important what I was doing is for yeah. women. Well, and I think it brings up a really good point about familiarity mm -hmm. and familiarity with bodies as they are. Yes. I mean, certainly we go back to the 90s when anything about body positivity or diversity in modeling is, you know, a far cry from even a thought in someone's mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, people were probably thinking of it, but it certainly wasn't <laughs> in the mainstream. Right. And, you know, that's, that's all we ever saw were perfectly airbrushed, elongated. I mean, I know it's, a, it's an easy search online mm -hmm. to find, you know, the, the Photoshop time lapse to yes. get these images and I know the best thing I ever did for my mental health and body dysmorphia was to stop subscribing to any magazines <laughs> because it's it's what you're mm -hmm. familiar with is that right. this is what my body needs to look like mm -hmm. and certainly in my teen years you know, I was 35 pounds heavier than I am now I did not look like that right. and you start to tell yourself stories about what things should be mm -hmm. and and find that familiar so having this whole approach to being honest with looking at yourself and appreciating who you are in the world is such an incredible gift. Do you see um, more of that? You're starting to move into working with tweens, um, the Everybody Beautiful campaign working mm -hmm. there. Um, what what are your, your goals and intentions there? Well, I started with, um, like I said, fine art women's portrait mm -hmm. photography and uh, high school seniors. Because that's when every parent is, like, looking to get their child's photo. After, like, the first mm -hmm. year, you've got, like, almost nothing unless there's other babies in the house. And then yeah. senior portrait. Yeah. <laughs> and what I was finding was so many girls, oh, I hate this. Oh, I feel fat in, mm -hmm. their, por in their photos. And so I started trying to photograph them, maybe their junior year, maybe their sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And as you go back, you find that... The last time a girl's really confident about herself is probably the very beginning of middle school, like her teen years or tween mm -hmm. years before all the hormones hit and the body starts developing. And that's when, I mean, in my experience, that's when the bullying kicks in as mm -hmm. well. That's, that's when it all changes. So my goal then became I want to start branching out into tween photography to kind of give them beautiful images that go in the homes, like on their wall. So no matter how bad they're feeling when mm -hmm. they get those, you know, that hormone rush that tells them they're a horrible looking or that bully that tells them they're awful, they mm -hmm. can come home and they can see that picture and be like, oh no, I look like that. Yeah. So I want to capture them in that while they're still confident, while they still feel that they can take on the world before mm -hmm. the world tries to crush them. So they'll always have an image of that moment in them feeling confident and powerful. I love it. And I love um, something you said just made me, I, I never thought of this before, mm -hmm. having been a teenage girl and gone through <laughs> puberty and hormones, is, um, but it was something I certainly felt when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that is the body with what, with the body that you are familiar with is like changing underneath you. Mm -hmm. So it's not just this idea that you have to have a unique body in a culture that idolizes 
you know, mm-hmm. something that may not be you. But it's also every time you wake up throughout your teen years, throughout your preteen years, everything's a little bit different. Yes. Your hips got wider. Your chest changed. You're bloated. Mm-hmm. Oh, now there's acne. Your hair is changing. Right. And, and then the emotions that go along oh with gosh. it, which yes. never lie, but perhaps sometimes they're a little blown out of proportion. <laughs> a tiny uh, bit. A little tiny bit. Those, those hormonals. Anyway. <laughs> so, and then the same thing happens, you know, um, young mothers in adulthood too. Yes. And I know we talked about postpartum mm-hmm. um, stretch marks in pregnancy. Because yes. again, the body that you had is not, before you mm-hmm. become a mother, is not the body that you arrive at afterwards. Yes. We have to be really mm-hmm. malleable which is all the more important in a world that says, no, this is the standard of beauty, don't change. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's also just as you get older as a woman, there's still a standard in Mm -hmm. the society of you're going to look young forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, as I get closer and closer to 40, in addition Mm -hmm. to finding I'm not doing, being able to do as many things as I used to, I've got stretch marks. I've never had kids. I've Mm -hmm. got stretch marks showing up because of the weight gain and the loss over the years. Um, and because my body can't respond to it as quickly as it used to. Yeah. And I have to come to terms with that as well. Like, my body's getting a little bit older. I, I see some sagging here. <laughs> I see some fine lines here, you know. Mm-hmm. And just accepting that that's okay. That's what our bodies are going to do. Yeah. And, you know, it. I mean, it was definitely hard as a preteen. I, the story that my mom always tells is that I went... <laughs> Um, The she always tells is that I went to bed a little girl and I woke up one morning with just like C cups. Mm -hmm. And that's how I remember it as well. I don't know if it's because she's told that story to so many Mm -hmm. people over the years or if it's how it actually happened. But it really felt like all of a sudden, boom, I've got these. What do I do with them? Mm -hmm. I have no idea how to. And they just felt like at that point in my life, fat. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, more fat on my body because. It was the 90s. Heroin chic was the look. You know, we wanted to be Kate Moss. And oh, yeah. I, mean, I can't be Kate Moss with these. <laughs> you know? It's true. It's true. And it's, it's that overnight waking up as someone different mm-hmm. and deciding that you like the look of it. And yes. so I think really beautiful to have these photos and say, you know, it's just it's capturing you on what would feel like your best day. Yes. But it's still you. Mm-hmm. So that you can take that with you and, and even have a reference point back. Right. Um, I remember at one point I even had you know, my then boyfriend, now husband, that I would show him how big I thought my hips were because <laughs> that's that, I did hourglass. I, I was yeah. not heroin chic. <laughs> Man, that's not the body I had then. And I would show him how big I thought my hips were. Mm-hmm. And then he would literally put his hands on my body and show me how big they actually were. And I had to do that repeatedly, mm-hmm. repeatedly, so that I could start to see the not the body that I thought I had, but the body that I was actually showing up in the world yes. and that reflection. Mm-hmm. And how fantastic with this photography. And body dysmorphia is really a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have definitely gone up and down in my weight over the years. Um, and at my heaviest, I started losing weight again mm-hmm. um, about five years ago. I was at 210, I think, and I started coming back down. And one of the things I said to my fa- therapist was, I don't see a difference. Mm-hmm. I look in the mirror. I was a, I had gotten down to like 155, so it's a significant weight loss, and I didn't see anything different. Mm-hmm. It didn't look different from what I was used to. Like it's, I mean, and I could tell I was wearing two sizes smaller clothing. Yeah. Clearly I've lost weight, but it still looked the same. And so having photos that I can actually compare, oh no, this is how I look here, this is mm-hmm. how I look here, is just so important. And it's one of the reasons why um, 
I'm part of the uh, every um, every moment belongs in print movement mm. because so many people come in, they just want digitals to go up on social. Well, digitals get lost. I mean, there's three things in life that are certain, death, taxes, and data loss. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have those images to look back on and you're going to lose them if they're just digital, mm-hmm. then what's the point? Whereas if you have that physical image, you can't get away from that. You, yeah. You've got that. That's something that will always be there. I mean, I've got pictures of my great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. You, know, you always are going to have that image in front of you. You can get, nope, that's how I look. That's mm-hmm. me right there on that page. Yeah. And, and what a better story to tell yourself and, and to have flashed mm-hmm. in front of you as opposed to the heroin chic advertising of the 90s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you think about, as a photographer, um, the body positive movement and the inclusive modeling that we're starting to see more so on social media, but really starting to creep into mainstream? I mean, I love it mm-hmm. um, conceptually. I think it, it. we've got a little bit more to go because I mm-hmm. definitely see a lot of people pushing back and talking about how it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And I really would love to see more work in the healthy at every size movement because mm-hmm. I've definitely had friends in life who are size like double zero and incredibly healthy and mm-hmm. friends who are like a size 20 and incredibly healthy. A friend of mine in high school was a larger girl that did um, – she did figure skating and she did track and field and mm-hmm. she was on, in the football uh, program as an athletic trainer. She was so healthy. She ran circles around me and she was definitely not a heroin <coughs> chic model, you know? <coughs> Absolutely. So I definitely feel like we need to do a lot more work on that because there is this kind of myth that, oh, if you're a larger person, if you're if you have a certain BMI, you're unhealthy. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can still be healthy. You're not that person's doctor. Don't you tell me that that person is not healthy just because they're larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, But otherwise, I mean, I think it's really great to see more women out there. Um, it's We still have a way to go also in redefining plus size. I mm-hmm. see plus size models that are smaller than me, and I'm like, oh, my. Um, <laughs> this is what we're calling plus size. Right. It's size 12. Okay, that's plus size now. Well, mm-hmm. then. Um, like, I love Ashley Graham, but I look at her and I go, plus size? <laughs> really? Okay. Lizzo. Lizzo is like a great role model. Yeah. That's someone I want to put up there as a plus size woman who is just gorgeous. And mm-hmm. we should totally have that body confidence. You yeah. Know? So it's the, we still have a little bit of ways to go, but I'm mm-hmm. really excited by it. I think it's really good that we won't have, hopefully we won't have as many girls out there all trying to be that same cookie cutter body mm-hmm. size and much more comfortable with not just different sizes, but different shapes as well. Mm. So, And what do you see in photography? I mean, I feel like it's it's almost a practical conversation, but it's certainly something that I think matters because you know photos are so easy to take on your cell phone now. Yes, and and you say I'm not photogra- I'm not photogenic, mm-hmm. and I I'm not photographing well. Mm-hmm. But you just mentioned different body types and different body sizes, mm-hmm. and that when you f- um, photograph for women's portraiture, mm-hmm. and you want them to look the best at the body they have. Right. Do you bring, is it just like anything else where you also have to bring different um, photographic techniques or posing to different body types? It's, there's a lot that goes into making a woman as beautiful as she can be completely naturally. Mm -hmm. There's different posing um, techniques because a lot of the time women have this thing where they, they've learned from back in the MySpace days, if you look up like this, mm-hmm. you, you lose this here. And yeah. so you have all these pictures where everybody's looking at this and you see up their nose and it doesn't look, it doesn't look good, especially if you had like the light on your camera as yeah. well. So it just, it's showing all like all the, 
uh, pores and things like that. So, like, yeah, great. Your neck looks really thin, but the rest of your skin doesn't look so great. It's really not doing what you want it to. So there's a lot that goes into making sure the lighting is set up mm-hmm. right, the um, posing is done correctly, and even I offer uh, wardrobe consultations, so we'll rent out dresses oh, that nice. will accentuate. Cause a lot of times you don't know how to dress your body. I mean, mm-hmm. it took me years to learn how to dress my body appropriately because the magazines give you so much conflicting information. Mm-hmm. Horizontal, oh, terrible. Oh, horizontal is great, actually. Yeah. And, you know, black is wonderful. No, black is terrible. And yeah, I actually have wardrobe consultation down. To, so that you're going to come in, you're going to wear an outfit that makes you feel gorgeous. You're going to be posed in a way that accentuates your body features. And you're going to have lighting that accentuates and flatters as well. Because mm-hmm. there's different types of light that depending on where that light is positioned, it's going to make you look wider or narrower. So, mm-hmm. Well, and I think you bring up a really fair point as we go back to this idea of... Um, a variety of bodies in advertising is that if there is one type of body in advertising, there's also one type of clothing being shown in advertising. And certainly if you are someone with a shorter waist, then the same thing that looks great on you is not going to be rocked by someone with a longer waist. Mm -hmm. You know, long legs, no legs, wider hips, narrow hips. Mm -hmm. We all have different things that we want to accentuate. And that's one of the I think hidden gifts of having that kind of body diversity showing up more is now we're actually learning how to dress ourselves. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> I was looking online recently and um, they were talking about how high-waisted pants are going out and like the low hip huggers of the late 90s, early oh. 2000s are coming back and mm-hmm. I was as a short torsoed woman, I am so excited right. by this. And so many people are like, oh, no, I hate that. Look, I love the high waist. Okay, but we need actually both. Because for all the mm-hmm. long torsoed women for whom it looks like their pants are falling off when they're wearing short, like oh, yeah. the really short um, inseam there, there's the woman like me who, like, there's six inches between my boobs and my waist. <laughs> and if I've got the high-waisted pants, I look like someone's grandma with their waist up to their armpits. Yeah. It's... It has been a really hard time with this high-waist fashion trend going on. I've been going to vintage stores to find, like, 90s flare hip huggers <laughs> to fit there. me. I've been there because I have, I have no space on my waist either. And it's true. And I think that there is this idea of keeping up with the Joneses yeah. on how we appear to the world. And, and so everyone out there who loves your high-waist pants, stock up. They're going away. Yes. <laughs> You're going to need to survive the low waist that's coming through. Yes. You know, just like we were hitting our, our vintage stores. Oh, and yeah. I just moved on to yoga pants. I can make them whatever waist I want. But <laughs> the that what looks good on us may not be mainstream and that should not be seen as a a condemnation Mm -hmm. of our body itself. So I'm really glad you brought up about clothing and the clothing that flatters. And I'm Mm -hmm. a total fashion girl. I love fashion. I'm somewhat obsessed with it. I've gone to like every show for Denver Fashion Week since I moved here. (laughs) Um, And I have my favorite Denver designers (coughs) for sure that Mm -hmm. I just, every time I see their work, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. But I just wish that instead of everyone following the same trend, there were designers that were bold enough to say, no, I'm going to stick with the flares because that's what the girls with big hips need to kind of balance out their bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm wearing skinny jeans now because it's all I can find. And it drives me crazy because I know that's not the best look. And magazines will try to sell you on that. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's the best look for wide hips is skinny jeans. What? That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Stop trying to sell me on fashions. No. Um, And... At the end of the day, it would be nice to have designers offering a much wider range of looks so that you can be more authentic. Because 
The other thing I found with styling women for these sessions mm-hmm. is that if you're comfortable, you automatically change how your body is. It makes yeah. it so much easier for me to pose a woman if she feels comfortable and powerful or sexy or you know just beautiful already because of the clothing that she's wearing. Um, when I moved here five years ago, I try. I'm being up near Boulder. I tried to fit in with like the Boulder aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I was miserable. I don't look great. Like that didn't look great on me. And for anyone not in Colorado, the Boulder aesthetic is that's our hippie town. Yeah, that that is our bo- a, yeah our boho, boho hippies. Yeah. <laughs> and I, w- I was trying to fit in with that. And oh gosh, no, that's that's not cute on. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And it was only in the last couple of years that I'm like, no, I'm gonna hit up the the vintage stores. I'm gonna rock my like '90s grunge look because I'm a rock and roll ki- grungy kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to Fashion Week, I found uh, the designer Tyne Hall who does who did this great like punk grunge aesthetic last two uh, fall seasons in a row and I just love her for it so I'm like yes this is my person this is my girl (laughs) and and you bring up such a really good point about what looks good on a body and and, you know I had um I had a really cool experience I think my mother for this because she gave it to me for her birthday is she sent me to go get my colors done Mm -hmm. and then along with that came sort of a conversation a consultation Mm -hmm. about um my features and my body and how I'm put together in a very, you know, this is what it is kind of space. And this idea that I have a lot of asymmetry in my face, Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of curls, a lot of texture happening. Mm -hmm. Suddenly it made sense to me why when I lived in Boston, similar, Mm -hmm. um, not the boho that I was used to having graduated from Boulder, Mm -hmm. that collared shirts made me feel like I was working in the catering company, (laughs) borrowing someone's clothing that wasn't mine. Right. So anything tailored and even and put together Mm doesn't work for who my, what my body is right. and I felt like a stuffed shirt now my best friend looks fabulous in it and man can she rock a French cup <laughs> she's very symmetrical yes. and so having this consultation an idea that what we are being sold mm-hmm. is the mainstream is what fashion companies are grouping together and saying this is the trend that we're seeing might be missing what your body is what your features are what your hair is what your colors are might be missing the boat entirely i mean one of the things i found following fashion magazines on social media rather than buying their print magazines is that when they show like the people on the street at um, fashion weeks Mm -hmm. all over the world um, one of the the one common denominator isn't that they're following the trends. It's that these women look real confident and are wearing whatever the heck they want to wear. <laughs> and they are rocking it because they feel so good about it. And I feel like I want to see more of that, like in the print magazines mm-hmm. and on the websites instead of just on their social pages. I want to see, yeah, there's someone who's rocking the neon 80s look and she's so confident and it works with her colors and it works with her body shape and go girl, be 80s, you well, know? I love that the behind the scenes of an industry that wants us all to dress the same way is actually do what you want. Yes. <laughs> like that's the message here. I think that becomes one of the biggest messages when it comes to body confidence mm-hmm. and you know, in some aspects of mental health is really being honest and knowing who you are yeah. and sticking with it despite the trends that flow through. Absolutely. Um, that's why I love that. Thank you. Thank you for bringing <laughs> this conversation. So, so what does success look like to you in these um, portraitures or boudoir sessions? Um, for me, there's success two times when, I, obviously, when we get to the sales room and I show them the finished images and they mm-hmm. love them, or the husband or wife loves them, <laughs> you know, you know, the partner's like, oh my gosh, you look so beautiful. Even if the person I've photographed 
maybe isn't thrilled necessarily because we're working on that body conf confidence. If mm -hmm. the partner's like, no, you look gorgeous. We're buying everything. That makes me feel good because <laughs> I know that she's going to go home and she's going to keep looking <laughs> at those and she's going to love those. Mm -hmm. But the other real success for me and the one I actually measure my success more on is when the person I'm photographing leaves the session. How does she feel about herself? Did mm -hmm. she have a great time? Because as a photographer, I spend all my time behind the camera. And there have been a few times, in fact, recently, where I've gotten in front of the camera um, as part of stepping out of my skin and trying to embrace my body more because mm -hmm. I want to live what I'm preaching. Yeah. And most of the time, I get out of there, and I just feel awful. Like I'm like, oh, that didn't go so well. Mm -hmm. And if I see the images, I'm like pleasantly surprised. But I get out there, and I'm like, oh, I just I hate my face. Oh, my gosh, I really need to lose these 10 pounds. And um, in fact, I've volunteered to model at a, for a photo shoot at a photography conference coming up, and I'm fighting with myself not to try and lose weight for it. Mm -hmm. Because I am like, oh, I'm gonna hate this. I'm gonna hate how I look. And I don't want women to walk away from that. I want women to walk out of my session feeling confident and feeling excited and like, I can't wait to see these pictures. This is going yeah. to be awesome. So if I can give them the experience that makes them feel so comfortable. And I mean, we have awesome music playing when we do these sessions. We, you know, I always say, bring the partner or bring your best friend with you, someone that's gonna, you know, bring your partner if they're going to be cheering you on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let me put it that way. If you have one of those partners that are kind of like, whatever, I don't care, leave them at home. <laughs> bring your best friend instead. But you know, bring, bring someone. Bring your cheer squad. Bring your cheerleader with you because I definitely know for me, if it's just me and a photographer, and the photographer's like, "Oh, you look great," I'm like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." But if I have like my cheer squad with me, and they're like, "No, you totally do," I'm like, "Yes." So, and I try to, and I also try because I've been behind the camera and in front of mm -hmm. it when I'm behind it to try and be very authentic with my compliments to, in case they don't have that cheer squad, and make sure they are feeling like I'm giving them authentic compliments. Mm -hmm. I recently had uh, my headshots done, and the woman that was, uh, was photographing me said, oh, I love your cheekbones. They're so high. And I'm like, who the heck are you talking to? <laughs> I don't know who this person is that you're talking to. <laughs> Whereas a friend of mine who did my photographs um, a while back was like, oh, girl, your arm looks really good there. Like, like it looks really good. I'm like, oh, good. My arm looks good. That's great. <laughs> like, I can believe that. Just don't lie to me about, oh, yeah, I have high cheekbones. No, I don't. I feel like someone's like, you know, your blonde hair is beautiful. Right? Yeah. No, sure. Uh, yeah. But I think you bring up a really good point, and I'd love to hear if you have more, even industry tricks that maybe mm -hmm. if there's any other photographers listening, because I've had, um, actually recently the headshots that I had done for this podcast was one of my first experiences of feeling um, really uh, authentic and good behind the camera, and I was mm -hmm. pleased to see them. Even when the pictures themselves, I'm looking at it going, oh, that's what I look like now. That's... <laughs> it's going to take a little, I'm, I'm going to keep looking at that. The experience of getting them mm -hmm. done felt so authentic and so right. enjoyable um, versus almost any other photography experience I had before that, including a, a, a session of boudoir photos mm -hmm. that, um, you know, my husband's very excited about the finished product, but I did not have that. Mm -hmm. I went into it wanting that body positive experience. Right. So what, what is some advice and, and tips that you would give to photographers about how to... It recreate those kind of sessions for, for their clients? I think the biggest advice I would give photographers is stop trying to shoot and burn and churn through as many women as you can. Because mm -hmm. that's what I see a lot of photographers, especially in the Denver, um, Boulder area, they'll be like, oh yeah, come in for like a one hour session, I'll give you 100 digital images. 
for it's like a lot 50 in bucks. An hour. Yeah, it's, it's a lot for them to, and they just throw in, like they'll do some quick Photoshop or whatever color correction and throw like a CD or a USB drive of images at a woman. That's so impersonal. That's so ridiculous. You can't get to know a person and make them feel comfortable and make them feel beautiful and wonderful in an hour. And you definitely can't help them with their images if you just throw a CD at them. Mm -hmm. With my process, I do a pre-consultation where I, I get to know them face to face long before we ever get in front of the camera. So I can kind of find out, like, what are you, what what do you like the best about yourself? Like, tell me your favorite parts about yourself. And then what are the things that you feel uncomfortable with? I mm -hmm. never, ever ask, and I've had photographers ask me this, and it drives me crazy. I never, ever ask, what don't you like? Because mm. then we're getting into negatives. Don't ask negative questions if you're doing a pre-shoot consult. Ask positive questions like, oh, hey, what, what do you love about yourself? If there was something you could change, what would you change about yourself? Mm -hmm. What are the things that you wish you were more confident about? Just frame it real positive mm -hmm. and really listen. Don't just ask to check off a box. Because yeah. I've had that where they do the consult because they've been told to do a consult and they're just checking boxes. Really listen. Really get to know the person. Try to help them as much as possible with like wardrobe selection. And uh, if you're doing boudoir or you're doing women's uh, fine art portraiture, Put the time in. Do two hours. Don't promise a million photos. Say, okay, two hours. You'll look at 50. You'll get this many mm -hmm. out of that. So that you, you can then help them select because part of why I started doing a sales process to bring the women in is so that I can listen to what they're saying when they're looking at their body going, oh, well, I don't like that. Well, that's okay. I think you look great here, but here's a different one. And you guide them toward the really positive aspects mm -hmm. of their images. Well, and what I like is in the way you just do a simple reframing. Like if, I feel like if there's one thing that's easy to take away, it's that simple reframing of getting to know um, your client about what they, they like and what you wish what they wish they could change what they would like to see better because then as the photographer it's not an it's an opportunity not to say um you know oh i hate my thighs mm -hmm. to say okay well we'll just try and do above the waist or well we won't we won't show your thighs mm -hmm. but to say i wish my i wish my thighs appeared stronger leaner it's there mm -hmm. are a lot of reasons why someone could do a blanket statement of I hate this body part. Yes. It could be because I want it bigger, I want it smaller, mm -hmm. I want it toned, I think I'm too muscular, it's mm -hmm. the cellulite. Yeah. Any of those pieces, and then as a photographer, you use your skill and your artistry of lighting and posing to say, no, look, this is how strong you really are. When you're looking down at yourself, you know, flat on a chair, you're not going to see it. Yeah. But look at this image. Look at this angle. Yes. You are as strong as you want to be. And that's the... That's one of the reasons I devote the time to doing these consultations and asking my questions the way I do. Because if a woman says, oh, I hate the way my tummy looks, I'm so mm -hmm. flabby or fat, I still want her. And I'm not going to just shoot her from the chest up or mm -hmm. just shoot her from behind. I'm still going to show that, but I'm going to pose her in a way that flatters her so that she can maybe see her body mm -hmm. with her belly as it is for the first time and go, oh, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's, that's different than what I'm familiar with. And if and if in the end of the day she's like, maybe I can tone it up a little bit more, cool. And at the end of the day she's like, it's great the way it is, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, let her see herself as she is, but in the most beautiful light possible. I love that. I love that. Uh, so to sum all of that up, if you could see, if you could make one thing change, one magic wand. One magic wand. 
One magic wand. I'll give you one magic wand for the photography industry. Okay. And one for the, for, for the, the body awareness. Okay. Um, <coughs> I think for body awareness, if I had one magic wand, I would give every woman the self-confidence of trying to think of like a, a freaking like Michelle Obama because she is just like the most confident woman I can think of mm -hmm. off the top of my head like I remember her bare arms portrait and I'm like yes <laughs> so many women that's one of the top ones like I hate my arms mm -hmm. her bare arms portrait yes look strong look awesome so I'd give everyone her confidence yeah um and I feel like that would change the whole body positive movement in yeah. such a great way if everyone was like that confident to just say I don't care about the haters here's me I am great yeah I'm that, super confident that seeing yourself again going back to the conversation we yeah. had before seeing yourself knowing yourself in the body that you have yes. because you're not going to get a different one no you, I mean we could go surgical but that's not the point this is your body yes this is what you have yeah. love it Exactly. Mm -hmm. Don't don't be like me. I spent like a good decade trying to get rid of my thighs. I'm never getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. They'll just get smaller. They'll get smaller, but the shape's going to stay the same. So mm -hmm. no, I need to have that confidence to go, no, that shape is great. That's my shape. And I'm one of the things I love, I know we're trying to sum up here, but one of the things I love <laughs> to watch is RuPaul's Drag Race mm -hmm. because the drag queens try to pad out to have my body shape. <laughs> and I'm like, they're trying to add on, like, hips, hips especially. They try to, like, pad them out. They go extreme with the hips. And I'm just like, oh, but you have such lovely boy hips. <laughs> What's wrong with you? So the grass is always greener. Exactly. And yeah. I look at that and I go, yes, I, wanna, I want to be that confident. They walk out there and they got the butt jiggling and mm -hmm. that they've added. It's not natural. They've added the jiggly butt. They've added the jiggly mm -hmm. hips. And I'm like, I need to be that confident to walk out there in, like, a bathing suit with my jiggles, I you know? <laughs> well, I think it's fair to say somewhere somebody is wanting the very body part you hate. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and and to have that confidence to say, well, then it's mine, so I might as well own it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't need to, like, shape pads. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as for my magic wand for the photography industry, I would wish that more people getting into photography or who are in photography would stop just trying to focus on making money off of women. Hmm. Because that's what I see a lot of, especially especially in this area. I'm originally from New Jersey. It's a little bit more competitive, so you have to kind of have that specialization there. Out here, I see a lot of just everybody. I shoot everything for this amount of money, and they just churn through. Mm -hmm. And I really wish photographers would realize that they are they have the ability to change a person's life in the most wonderful way or change the person's life in the most horrible way if they do a terrible job with these portraits. So mm -hmm. like stop, take your time to get to know this person and make sure that every person that's getting in front of your camera looks and feels better when they leave than they did when they got there. It's a real gift and, and it's a real power that I think, um, that kind of like you're saying, that most people don't understand they have behind the lens. Yeah. That you are giving people sometimes you know, not their only, there, there are so many selfies and things now, but when we look at the full body and the full expression of yourself, um, sometimes the only reflection we get back on ourselves that is unbiased and unfiltered. Yes. And, you know, it's because well, you know, people tell us, oh, you look great. I saw you there. Mm -hmm. This is what it is. But to have this image where you get to make your own opinion of yourself, mm -hmm. absence, absent of anyone else's filter. Yes. And like you said, it's, you know, newborn, senior portraiture, and then you're done. And then weddings. And weddings. Your wedding. And if you're, and if you're a certain person, maybe your maternity pictures. Mm -hmm. Maybe. 
But yeah, it's pretty much you're born till you're one, and then your senior picture, and then your wedding day, and that's yeah. it. So we need to fill in that gap and treat women during their uh, those other years mm-hmm. as if it was their wedding day, as if they're the bride, and we want to make them look beautiful and mm-hmm. take the time to get to know them and really work. You know, don't just point and shoot. Like really know the women that you're shooting. Yeah, and and to all the women kind of wondering about it. It's just, Back to that confidence is to know you're worth being seen. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us today. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and your experience. And I I hope this really strikes a chord with a lot of people. Thank you. And if uh, uh, where can people find you here in the Denver area or get involved in your Everybody Beautiful campaign? Um, You can always use the hashtag Everybody um, Is Beautiful. Um, That's on Instagram. I have it on Twitter. I need to be more active on Twitter. and then you can find me online. Uh, right now, everything's on one website, which is Elizabeth Williamsburg. It's B-E-R-G dot mm-hmm. com. Um, but I am going to be shooting, uh, doing a splitting uh, off my uh, photography for the seniors and tweens onto a different site. So, Wonderful. so to, look for that coming. <laughs> yeah, have something like just for the kids, basically. <laughs> Wonderful. So, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me yeah. here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional help.